I'm in the lifestyle enhancement business, right? So there you that, go. That's, that's, that's the way it. you. T that's a good idea. That's, that's what you it. do. That's what I do. Well, Tom, when you brought me this gift, I'm when you brought me this gift, mm. I'm telling Coppola. Mm. Co Coppola, I love wine, and this is what Tom brings in. He brings this in in Tokyo. And in other places, the more probably. Yeah, so everywhere in APAC. So that's what I've really been focused on. So it's a big geographic world, but uh, but yeah, it's really an exciting business to be in. And wine's becoming more prominent, I guess, and becoming more popular. Mm -hmm. So it's a good time to be in Asia, I think, in talking about wine. This is fantastic. Tom, I want to thank you for coming here and sharing this morning with me on this podcast. I'm excited to be here. So, <laughs> so we're going to start off with, first of all, where were you born? So originally born in Iowa City, Iowa. So okay. I lived there for about six months while my dad was finishing up his residency at the University of Iowa. Okay. And then back to St. Louis, Missouri, where my parents are originally from. And then I grew up there. So other than the six months, um, but really, I, I'd always tell people I'm from St. Louis, but I was really born in Iowa. Okay, so you're not from the gold, you're not from the big arch. You're from the corn huskers. <laughs> really born where the corn's made. Well, well there's corners. plenty of corn in Missouri as well, but uh, yeah, originally, uh, yeah, I mean, Iowa City, but uh, St. Louis is where I'm originally right. from, okay. so I guess that's the easiest. Do you have siblings? I have brother and sister. Are you the oldest? I'm the oldest. So you're the, you're the trailblazer. I am. They're twins, so it's a brother and sister twins. So I think they're what, five years younger. So I got in all the trouble and broke my parents in. And Very, they were, they were really good with them. <laughs> they loved their parents, and you and your dad are still kind of like you know. I don't know. We're all great friends, and we're really fortunate to have a really close relationship. As That's we've gotten cool. older, I think it's even better. I think age matters a lot less as you get older. It does. And. Uh, you know, so it, you know when you're kids, you still have the sibling you know, thing. And right, five right, years right. is kind of an awkward because we were never in the same school at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it was always a little bit, uh, you know, probably not as close. But as we've gotten older, I bet I think well, you could ask them; <laughs> they might have a different idea. But I think we've gotten closer as we've gotten older. So, wait, wait, so tell me, what was your childhood like? I mean, when you were growing up with your brother and sister? Because I have a brother that's four mm -hmm. years older than me. Yep. And like you said, we were never close because that's too much distance. Yeah, I mean, we were close. I mean, obviously, lots of family holidays, um, spending time with them. Well, your uh, parents stayed together. Oh, yeah. yeah. Mom see, and mine dad didn't. Are still, yeah, mom and dad are still, they're, they're still going. So it's, it's great. We're, we're happy about that. Um, but they're, uh, I mean, you know, uh, you know, we all went through the same school growing up, but I was always the one year, um, you no, know, probably out because, yeah, because we were always, you know, like when I was in grade school, they were still in elementary, you know, so it kind of right. worked its way through. In high school, we were always in different things. So, right. but yeah, close. I mean, we always played sports. I mean, we were, you know, still love each other, but right. I think we've gotten closer as time. Did you stay on. taller than them? 
No, uh, my brother's taller than me. See, see that? Yeah. <laughs> and when did that happen? About when? I don't know. Probably. Junior high? Yeah, when, you, yeah. when you got in junior high all of a sudden? Just a little bit taller. But yeah, he is taller. I'll give him some credit. He's taller than me. So. All right, so what kind of sports and stuff did you get involved in when you were a kid? I tried to play everything. Um, did you really? Yeah, and I was really um, into it, you know, growing up, uh, lots of sports, but baseball in particular. I played a lot of baseball and played a lot of competitive baseball. Uh, shortstop, second base, okay. uh, mostly, but when you were a kid, you probably played everything, so catcher, pitcher, mm-hmm. uh, but, um, so baseball, volleyball, I played okay. a lot in, in uh, grade school, or actually on a really good grade school team, as good as it can be. Uh, basketball, soccer, golf, tennis. You had golf in your school? Uh, I played in high, in high school. In high school, yeah, we yeah. had in high school. So yeah. I didn't really play until high school. I right. thought it was kind of like, eh, this is a right. boring game, yeah. but it's the sport I'm probably uh, the best at now. So you still uh, play, play golf? I, yeah, I play, I play a lot of golf if I often, can. How often? Uh, I'd like to play more, but I probably play twice a month. Okay, yeah, that's yeah. not a lot for a real golfer now. No, I not used here. to play, yeah, I used to play quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, I'm happy that my family's gotten in the way of it, um, you know, my golf life, but uh, eventually we'll get back into it. Right. Uh, so I, I try to spend as many weekends and, and days with you know, my wife and my daughter. So. What kind of studies were you interested in? Uh, growing up? Mm-hmm. Um, I really love social studies and like yeah, geography and things. I loved it. It was my favorite you know, subject for mm-hmm. sure. Was it because yeah. of some particular teacher that really was enthusiastic about it that you remember? Uh, I, I mean, I was really lucky. I, I liked all my teachers growing up for the most part. I mean, we went to a nice school. Yeah, I mean, I, I went up to. Yeah, I mean, it probably is. Uh, not everyone, I guess. Was so most people have one it, or two that really inspired them. They might have liked all of them, but I'm just saying there's usually one or two that truly inspire people um, to stand out. Yeah, maybe. Um, I, I think probably in college I was probably more inspired by the professors mm-hmm. then um, as opposed to like grade school or high school, mm-hmm. maybe. But yeah, I mean, I was always felt like we were in a good community and, you know, we're brought up in a good way. Like mm-hmm. the teachers were strict still, like they were very... Any religious backing behind? Oh, it, so so it was a Lutheran grade okay. school. Um, okay. So I was brought up Lutheran. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. You but know, you still it, know it's there. Nice yeah, I know it's there, and I've read lots of the uh, you know the Bible verses and memorized lots of them. And I think it was very good upbringing. I think there's a lot of good lessons with that. Mm-hmm. And and you know I think the school curriculum was was very. Um, yeah, they wanted you to learn a lot of things, so it was good. Uh, I enjoyed, it was just down the street so I could walk to school when people still walk to school, so right, it was fun. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, no, it was a good, I, I enjoyed grade school, you know, and, and the subjects as well. I mean, you know, every kid loves gym class if you're active in sports and stuff, so mm-hmm. I, <laughs> I was good at gym, so, uh, but no, it was good fun, yeah. So then when you got in, so when you really started becoming serious about your studies in high school and stuff, where did you start to focus on? So, um, business really, I mean, I always, I mean, I can remember as a kid, you know, I had a lemonade stand when I was probably eight or nine years old, and then, you know, we raked leaves, you cut grass, you know, you kind of did all the business. What did dad do? What did your father do? Uh, He's in medicine, so he's a doctor. He's in, you put it that way, he's in medicine, so he's a doctor. <laughs> well, he is a doctor, he but he can been, be in lots of things. But he could have been a pharmacist, but yeah. He, he, but his uh, specialty is internal medicine. So he's, um, so, I mean, he's, yeah, so he'll, 
He had a very geriatric practice, so he get a lot of uh, uh, you know business that way. But he, um, yeah, but he he was very. I mean, he's the smartest guy I know. He's Is he one still of the doing? Nice, it? Yeah, he's still going. He How did. old is your father? So he's. Uh, you're gonna put me on the spot now. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I should. Yeah, he. I think he's sixty. I want to say sixty-eight. He's a young man. Well, how yeah. old are you? So I'm forty. Yeah. So 40. he had you when he was in his early twenties. Yeah. So yeah, twenty. Yeah, I'm sure sixty-seven <laughs> maybe. I think we think back at this. It'll kill me when he watches it. But anyway, thanks. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But. Is there? What about your mother? What did she do? Um, so she originally started working at the phone company. My grandfather works at the phone company as well. Her, they mean her father? Her father. My okay. grandfather, her father. Okay. Right. Um, and she went to, so my parents went to university together at University of Missouri in Columbia. That's where they met. And my dad was, uh, I guess, roommates with my uncle Tommy. And so that's how they met. Wait, uncle Tommy is his my brother? Mom, my, my mom's brother. brother. Yeah. Okay. And well, how many siblings does she have? Five brothers, and she's number. She's five out of six, so it's five brothers and her. Okay. Yeah. So she, so she was uh, working at the phone company, and then when my dad and her got together, did residency in Iowa. So she went there and then started raising children. So and that was her full time job. It, she does that, but then also okay. too, she did a lot of interior design and things like that. So she's, she stayed uh, busy. She can. Oh, she yeah, uh, and she has a very, I think, a very amazing um, way to look at design and interior and understanding kind of how things look. And she's mm -hmm. very creative. Um, so her house is very beautiful, and she's done an amazing job with it. So what about when you were growing up? Yeah, same. She same she time. really worked really hard on you know she she you know kind of always said I had five brothers and my you know her dad and, and her mother passed young unfortunately, mm -hmm. so she always like no when it was my house it became my house now and I want to do what I want so, I was always fascinated by it um, to her her drive to make sure that things are clean and orderly mm -hmm. and she's she's very good at it so wow. we even took her shoes off in the United States when we were at the house. So and she had never been to Japan. She's never been to Japan yet. And she so. had you taking your shoes off. Oh yeah, when we were kids, we always took the shoes off at the house. What about your father? Uh, I mean, he took his shoes off at the house. <laughs> he better be one <laughs> to come in mom said it, 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 it was for all of us. It wasn't just it was for just, one of us. It wasn't us. selective, right? <laughs> no. Is that right? No, but yeah, so, and, and uh, you know, I think my dad was fortunate because he never had to worry about home because mom kind of took care took of the care house of and, you know, she's a very good cook um, and always inspired me to cook better food because uh, she's always, you know, made sure that we always ate very well when we were kids. What is um, her ethnic background? I'm sorry. What is your mother's ethnic background? Uh, German-Irish. German-Irish. And yeah. your father? Uh, German. And uh, maybe a touch of Irish. So the area you grew up in was probably very heavily populated with people of the same, very similar backgrounds. So St. Louis, um, I don't know if you know much about the historical background, but St. Louis was very set up with, um, you know, different nationalities, had different parts of town. But that's almost every place in the U.S. Exactly. So Bevo, Bevo area was the German okay. uh, part of town. Then they had the Hill, which was the Italian part of the... Okay. Then the, the Irish was, um, they call it Dogtown now. Okay. <laughs> and then, um, the, yeah, I mean, so each of the different uh, groups had kind of their own spots, but German was very heavily um, f for in St. Louis. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, like the Anheuser-Busch, okay. a lot of the brewery, the, yeah. there was basically a brewery on every other corner in St. Louis. So it was a big German population that went there. So um, 
it was interesting though. My mom lived out in the county, which was at the time they had cows in their backyard, and it was mm -hmm. kind of like yeah. way out there. And my dad grew up in the city, um, <laughs> okay. and she thought, "Oh well, this guy." You know, he said he was a hit way, a beard, and the whole, you know, sixties uh, and seventies. So you know, the thing times were different. And she's like, "Oh, I don't know if I'm going to be with this guy." But anyway, they ended up together. Again. So, and she he, made something of him. He still has a beard too. <laughs> so, still has, he never <laughs> not, shaved. Not, not big. Okay. I don't think my mom's ever seen him without a beard. Have you I ever have, seen him without? I, I have never man. seen him without a beard. So we're kind of saying keep but, it. So when did you shave yours off? Because I'm sure you had one at one time. I did. Usually, this is this is a, a Movember usually. Okay. So usually I do a facial hair thing uh, this mm -hmm. time of the year. But my wife bought me out this year. So she she donated my, my goal instead of me growing facial hair. So you're seeing me without facial hair today. Is that Because usually, yeah, I do it for charity. But she bought me out. She was very adamant how, about that. You, but you, how do you mean? I don't understand So that. it's a donation process. Oh, is it? That's so, what November's all about. Yeah, so yeah, it's this Movember. It's for men's Movember, health. Right. Um, so it goes to several different um, charities Charity within right. it. But, you know, it's a lot more men's health. So anywhere from prostate That's to okay. mental health as okay. well. So right. it's a great charity. I've been doing it for quite some time. I have some bad Facebook photos if you want to go back and look at some <laughs> of the different facial hair creations that are they're there. So... Um, but um, this year she was like, no, I'll just pay for you not to grow it. So we've so made the donation. So how do you figure how do you figure out the amount? So I just him every year five hundred dollars. Okay, so it's up to you. You just yeah. decided. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So oh, that's nice. Okay, so let's get back to school. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So we've, so we've deviated quite know, hard. No, but that was nice. No, <laughs> I wanted to know about your parents anyway. So mm -hmm. you started with Kool Aid stands and you did that. You worked. So you've always been interested in business. <laughs> yeah. So I was always really. Uh, was that something your interested? father tried to instill in you, or no? I I didn't ever have any pressure really uh, I mean I will say that my father you know he helped me out one of his um, great friends growing up he worked at Produce Row in St. Louis and mm -hmm. so he made an introduction I was looking for an internship when I was in um, what, high school college beginning of college and it's a he's like oh yeah it'd be great for him to come down and I was able to do lots of different activities and get a real introduction to some different you know characters difference like what um, I mean, just, you know, what does a back of office look like okay. and how do you do, you know, general entries in an accounting? Uh, they, had you, they had you doing that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I was working with some of the sales guys. I was, you know, able to go down and look at some of the negotiations that they were doing and, and getting a feel from it. I mean, you know, Produce Row is quite wild place. It's, um, you know, it's an interesting business. It's fast moving. It's energetic. Mm -hmm. um, it's an early business as well. So I started work every day at seven and worked till three. And most kids my age at the time weren't working at 7 a.m. So, um, so no, it was really good in that regard. And then when I got to college, I did a business management as my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And then I did my MBA. Well, it's, it's basically a master's of, um, it's like an MBA of wine. Okay. So that's, a, that's kind of where the focus was. And then I was, I was interested in political science as well. I guess that goes back to the social studies right, side right. of it as well. So... But yeah, I never really, I mean, my parents were very open-minded about, you know, what you wanted to do and, and where they, you they, wanted they, to they take kinda, it. They didn't kind of guide you in any direction? Like saying, like, uh, your father didn't want you to sure. become a doctor? Um, I never felt any pressure to, or neither, okay. I don't think my siblings He never took you to either. the clinic with them? Or oh, I spent a lot of times, yeah, I spent a lot of times on house calls, I'd sit in the car or... 
you know, I'm probably acting up, so my mom's like, you need to get out of the house. So I'm sure that was part of it. But no, I spent a lot of time. I worked at his office as well in the record room, like during high school and things. Okay, just organizing the alphabet. Yeah, so that you pull records out so the doctors could have the charts because, you know, there was no electric, uh, you know, there's no computerized records. I mean, it was was still all all done analog, right? Yeah, papers and things, and we put things into charts and that sort of stuff. So he had his own. He had his own clinic. So so he was a a partner in a practice that they had. Um, As of time's gone on, that's all been sold out to you know. So was he doing now? Is he working in? He works for a hospital group. Still at the same. So there's this place called Southwest Medical Center. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very near the house in South St. Louis. Um, So he loves it. I mean, he never really. You know, I've always been inspired by him because he's always just very, um, you know, it's about people. Um, and, he, you know, he'll still do house calls. I mean, there's no doctors that still do that that mm-hmm. I know of. I, I don't know that that's not something that was big in the U.S. Um, but he's, he called on a lot of convents as well. So there's a lot of Catholic, uh, you know, the nuns. And, and so we spent some time at some of the Catholic, uh, you know, uh, all the nuns and spent times mm-hmm. with them. So. At Christmas time, a guy gets more Christmas cookies than you can ever imagine. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, he never really. I don't. I never felt any pressure to go one way or the other. I mean, it was always you know do good in school. Um, you know, that that was the more of the focus. I think mm-hmm. for them was just you know you'll you'll figure it out. But what are your brother and sister doing? Uh, so my brother is a lawyer, and then my sister she um, works for an audit company in California. So mm-hmm. she's. I had one of their directors. So are both of them married? Or are they both married? Are you an uncle? I am. I have two nieces. I actually talked to her on the way here. She was over at my mother's house this morning, so she oh, faced him. Uh, so Carmen is. I want to say she's six. Okay. I might be wrong. She might be five. No, who's she? Six. Who's she? You're the sister? My brother's uh, daughter. Brother. He has two daughters. So okay. he has Carmen and Eleanor. Right. So so, you, so his fraternal twin doesn't have. Uh, not yet. Uh, no, she not, doesn't no, have any no, kids. No. So, okay. but yeah, they live in California, but they're married. Actually, their anniversary, well, was five years ago today. So uh, we were all in Mexico for that. So I had the Facebook uh, reminder of the photos. I so. used as much social media as time goes mm-hmm. on. I probably was a little bit more active when I was in Australia. And especially for work-wise, I was very active with it. But I don't do it as much. I don't have as much time with it. I find that a lot of the stuff on there is not as interesting. I can still read the newspaper, which I prefer, right. and, and getting news that way is a lot easier. Um, and I, I grew up reading a paper. I mm-hmm. still like reading a newspaper. Mm-hmm. So one thing about being at Tokyo American Club, you can still read a newspaper, sure here, which is nice. You sure can. So, okay, so in college, what was your first job out of college? So. It's how I got into the wine business. Really, I took a, there's a program called ISEC, which is an international exchange abroad. Mm -hmm. And I was always wanting to travel. I mean, I was very fortunate growing up that my parents, you know, we traveled to a lot of different places. Like where? Give me some of the places you went. Around the United States, we went to a lot of places. So, you know, anywhere from, you know, Disneyland and Disney World. So, um, you know, we spent some time in California, Florida. Um, uh, We went to South Dakota. you know, we so you stayed to, within the United States. You a, never a lot of it, well, we we have actually. I think my first trip that I actually really remember, okay. we went to the Dominican Republic, okay. and so we went to Casa de Campo, and that was kind of like I'm just thinking back about 
what was your first real right. true international memory, like trip memory, right. and that was definitely it. Okay. How old uh, were you? Uh, probably five. Five. Oh, yeah, okay. Right before my brother and sister were born. Your mother's I pregnant think. with him. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. So. And poor her, she had twins, right? It's a lot, lots, lots of handle. They saw her coming, especially when she turned. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, we did that. But then we've done, we did a few trips to Europe, um, in particular Germany. So my distant family's uh, German. As you get old, as you got older. Yeah, yeah, but we were still pretty young. I mean, we were we were probably you know I don't know twelve. So they're still, your family's still close to some of their distant relatives. So we're still in contact. I wouldn't say close, okay. but yeah, I mean, we, you know, exchanged some Christmas cards and things. But I, I did this program, ISEC, and it was kind of this thing to let me travel for a year after university. I was always big about life experiences. I think they're really important. I think you learn a lot that way. Mm-hmm. Um, not just about, you know, yourself, but you learn about a lot of other people as well. So I did that, but I ended up uh, taking a job in Finland at a polytechnic, which is a, you know, it's like a junior college, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, equivalency to the U.S. Yeah, right. Junior college is probably the right thing. So I taught there. Um, I was teaching. You taught a, there. Yeah, I was teaching a marketing course, okay. um, political science course, and then a travel course. Mm-hmm. So it was a lot of fun. It was something new for me to get up and, and I always say I probably learned more being the teacher than the student, you do. You do. Um, which was great. Um, so I did that and we had a very diverse group of students from all over Europe for the most part, but we had some from all over the world. Um, but it allowed me then to, um, I lived in, I visited the family's winery and they were very fortunate to have a room at the winery that I got to stay in. Um, I was there for, I don't know, 10 days, and I'm like, oh, this is fantastic. <laughs> yeah, this is really cool. And so luckily, uh, I had that experience, and I thought, oh, I'll get in the wine business, and I had a family friend that was involved with a, a winery called E&J Gallo Winery, which is the largest wine right, company right, in the world. Right, right. So Paul Sorrentino, um, and hey, Paul, if you ever listen to this, right. but he's a... Uh, he actually still works for Gallo and he runs their Europe business. Um, but he you know, grew up in St. Louis and his sisters, and I think Paul at some stage actually babysat me at, at some stage, which is really funny. Um, so I sent my resume to him and he got me in touch anyway. I ended up started working with him in um, Chicago. So I th- that's where I really got inspired about the wine business. And um, it was a really good, and. and I always wanted to be involved with business. I never really dreamed of, about okay, going. Yeah. I, I mean, I drank a little bit of wine before then. And obviously, when I was in Europe, I drank a, a bit more wine. <laughs> but like in you know college, we watched uh, you know Sopranos and drank some Carl Rossi. Right, right, right. You know that was that was the that was kind of the entry way right, into right. it all. So, um, but it was, it was good. And it, everyone has to start somewhere. And I, I still say that now with way that wine is I mean people have to start somewhere Mm -hmm. and it it, it takes a while to get into it Um, you can't just start at the top actually most people don't really like those wines when they're trying to first start start, exactly because the the palate it's just different it's hard to appreciate so a little bit more fruity a little probably a little sweeter is usually Mm -hmm. how people Mm -hmm. get into it then Mm -hmm. you kind of elevate real wine yeah well everything's (laughs) really those are real wines too but they're just different styles so I find that with almost all spirits. Mm. Yeah, well, spirits all is All spirits is the same so. thing. You start to go up, and then eventually you start to get a palate for it. And you, yeah. you know the differences, but you can't tell at the beginning. Yeah. You're going to compare it with what? 
<laughs> Very and true. And also when they pair it with certain foods, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? For sure. I, th I think on occasions as well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think people switch, you know, you think about the temperature outside and, and, and you know, the seasonality right, as well. Right, right. People switch what they drink quite so regularly. What would, so what would you drink with this? Actually, Zinfandel, I think, is really cool for Thanksgiving. If Thanksgiving's tomorrow, it's a really nice um, wine with it because it doesn't have tons of tannin in it, but lots of fruit. Um, it pairs with a lot of different things. So, so with your turkey and the stuffing yeah. and everything, this would be perfect. Yeah. So Zinfandel is great with that. I also like barbecue. Like, I love barbecuing, and I love, like, you know, if you did, like, a like pork steak or you did, um, you know, ribs, mm -hmm. Zinfandel is great for that. Yeah, yeah spiciness. So you can teach it can handle that. Yeah. So I, I think so people. You said you're in the life enhancement business. Well, that yeah. I mean, that's what we. What I <laughs> you know. I, I'm not in nice. curing a brain cancer, and I'm not right. you know, doing. Um, Which is some people from getting brain cancer. Yeah, but it's it's about making people enjoy. I mean, I always find that wines. It's a good conversational piece. Most people I meet in wine are really interesting people. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of people are passionate in the wine, um, and it makes for an interesting conversation because they think when people are passionate about something, it, it's, um, it's it's much more interesting because they know more about it. So, wine's always been that for me. It's 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 interesting. You can have it at dinner, and it and it makes your dinner better. Um, mm -hmm. It makes your um, you know, your, your night on the patio better. How'd your father feel about it when you got into the business? How long have you been in the wine business? So yeah, so I started in the wine business when I was 22, so about 18 years now. 18 years. Yeah. So it was my first real career out of university. So so it was, but what did you do? So what was the first job you did? So that was then in Chicago. I was a salesperson. Okay. Uh, when I was, was so working, working within the so ENJ Gal the. It, you worked for the oh so I, I didn't work directly for the winery when I started I, I started with a distributor so that's okay. typically how you do and then so I was I started at the bottom I was merchandising um, you know I was dusting off bottles right. I was stocking making displays stocking things on shelves and then you know you kind of start working your way up so then I was a salesperson and then I had like kind of a fine wine territory. Um, and then I got offered another role, um, but at that time I was like, well, I think I'm going to move to Australia and do this master's degree. Um, and that's originally, what? so it was an MBA of wine, basically, okay. um, University of Adelaide. So there's there's about five or six top-notch programs around the world. So in the United States, UC Davis, um, in Bordeaux, um, mm -hmm. Stellenbosch, in Cape Town, in, in South Africa, Geisenheim. This place is a guy. It, for wine, for, for wine. wine schools. Um, mm -hmm. So University of Adelaide is one of the top mm -hmm. wine schools in the world. Do so you have to have your MBA first? You don't have to. You, you can just go straight. If you, you have the money. You can, yeah, you can go. I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll teach you about wine. That's, um, it's good. So they have, a different, they have different programs. They have a winemaking, like an analogy course and viticulture course mm -hmm. as well. And then they have the business of that. How so long? How long are these courses? Like how long? So, so it was a master's degree. I think we did. So it was an eighteen-month program, but I think you went all the way through. It was like a trimester program. Okay. So it was really good. I learned a lot. I got to meet a lot of people. Uh, I, you know, I love Australia as a result of it. I loved Adelaide, where I you know lived. But Tom, but you had one. You had an objective, obviously. You knew where you wanted to eventually be. Are you there now? Where you want to be? Where you wanted to be? I mean, if you told me I was going to be living in Japan, not, not no, Japan, no. but I'm talking yeah. about. Which, are you doing what you yeah. plan? What you are focusing to get to do? So I think people are very lucky in life if you get to do your passion, your hobby, and make it your profession. 
Um, so I've been able to accomplish those. And that's what you focused yeah, on. That's what I've been wanting to do. Um, and, and it's led me to a lot of you know, interesting um, things and met a lot of interesting people over the years as a result of it. So yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's probably from a geography standpoint, I wouldn't have told you I would have been living in Tokyo if you asked me mm -hmm. seven years ago. Right, I think that's for a lot of us. Yeah, and then exactly, and, that's and even the, if- That's what you ever thought about. And even before I moved to Australia, if you told me if I was gonna live in Australia for 10 years, no way. I mean, I thought so I was gonna be there for a little while and then move back to you the US. You took the course, then you stayed. Uh, I did, so I got a job there. Um, Doing what? So I was fortunate to work with a winery called Yangara Estate Vineyard um, in McLarenville, so it's just south of Adelaide. And they were just starting to boom at that time, right? Well, Australian wine. So, so Australian wine kind of boomed in the early 2000s, and I guess that's why I was really interested in Australia, because we saw a lot of Australian mm -hmm. winemakers come through the wines. Um, and then right at that time was, you know, 2007, 2008 was the GFC. Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden, Australian wine in the United States went like that and, you know, looking at different markets. But I was fortunate with Yangara because it was kind of more export focused brand because um, it's in, involved with a larger portfolio. Um, but I was able to set up their Australia business. So I actually got to set up all their distribution within Australia. So. We got to kind of do it from the ground up. Um, I'm happy to say it's a great winery. They're doing really well. The wines are fantastic. Um, so, uh, but it was a great opportunity for me um, to use kind of my business side of the background, but also to my love for wine, um, to learn and, and to spend time in the vineyards, meet other people within the business. Um, just, just for my information, sure. because on wineries, how do they? How do you decide how big a vineyard is or how much wine they produce? How, how do they go about doing that? Like, I understand the car business. Like, you can tell if it's a big manufacturer or not and what level they're at by how many employees. You know, how do you it, do it in wine? It usually business? comes down to how much money you want to invest. I mean, it's, um, so, you know, so. What about the land? Because yeah, so you're, you're so growing great. Yeah, so the wine business is, um, it, it's interesting because it's an agricultural business mm -hmm. first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Mother nature dictates a lot on what, what happens. Yeah, um, yes. So, I mean, this year in, in the world, it's the lowest uh, wine production that we've had um, worldwide um, in a long time. So it's been lots of problems in France with hail damage early on frost. Um, they had a lot of issues. California is coming off a couple of tough vintages, um, in particular in like North Coast with Napa Valley, there's, you know, fires, fires and things. Right, exactly, so, yeah. so there's a lot of problems in that regard. Mm -hmm. and, and then, you know, Australia has had its own fire problems mm -hmm. over the years. So Mother Nature dictates a lot what happens with it. Um, also, too, it's your capital investment, the way that you have, you know, it's, it's expensive because an acre costs X amount and then you have to learn how to farm it. And then if you start from scratch, it's even more expensive because you're looking at a, probably a three to five year investment mm -hmm. before you're even seeing any revenue. So it usually takes five to seven years to actually start making some revenue off of that. So big capital outlays for this. So I always say it's a really, you know, they, the, the rule of thumb usually to make a small fortune in the wine business, you start with a really long or large one. Um, because it's um, yeah, it's very capital intensive. Right. It's it's like we talked about beer earlier. Oh, a beer you can kind of get your ingredients and turn on the tap, and mm -hmm. you can kind of brew it when you need to. It's harder to destroy the wheat. And so, yeah. so wine's only one season typically. I mean, you can farm in Thailand and some other places that can make two two vintages, but that's you know that's not normal as, as the traditional wine grows. So. We get basically that window um, in the northern hemisphere. We have it kind of 
August to you know November, um, and then in the southern hemisphere, typically starting anywhere from January and going till you know kind of May, um, mm -hmm. depending on where you're at and what locations. But um, we only get that one spot in the wine industry to really do it. So your winery is only in use for that much, and then you have a barrel room that gets used more often. But it's a very capital-intensive business, which mm. is really interesting. So a lot of people don't realize that. They just see all the, the glamour and glory of it, and people looking at their vineyard and going, wow, in these movies. And you're thinking, wow, I can make a lot of money if I get into the wine business. <laughs> sure. <laughs> and, and, and people always ask, you know, what's the most beautiful country you've ever been to? And it's really easy for me. It's wine country. I mean, vineyards, I mean, just an aesthetically... Yes beautiful uh, you know, views typically, um, and if you're in Italy or if you're even here in Japan, I mean, mm -hmm. there's some beautiful vineyard sites here that have Mount Fuji in the background, and mm -hmm. there's, it, it's pretty spectacular to look at. Um, you know, great places in Australia, there's great places in California, so it's typically a very beautiful place um, to look at. So I've always, uh, you know, that's very attractive for me to be in wine country mm -hmm. and, and have those visuals. Um, mm -hmm. Being in the wine business here, you're a little bit removed from that, but right. um, but at least you know once travel being starts Tokyo, to resume, course, yeah, yeah, and once travel starts to resume, I get back out into quite a few um, you know wine growing regions. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a bit of a break the last couple of years, but we'll hopefully um, you know get back and start traveling again. So you're in Australia. You started working with this company, then what happened? How did you... So, uh, yeah, and we, we basically started getting promoted through the business. Um, so I started looking, you know, kind of after some APAC, you know, basically, um, you know, kind of Japan and Korea down to Australia and New Zealand and, you know, quite a few countries. Uh, and I didn't have China, like, you know, greater China at the time. Oh, no one did. So but that, that, that's okay. And we had a different group that did that. So I basically had everything outside of China for APAC, um, which was great and started building a team out. Um, which was cool, and then I was approached about, uh, I guess, yeah, 2015, saying, do you want to move to Seoul or Tokyo, and I said... So you're still, you're working with this company? Same company, Well, I yeah. thought it was, it's, it's not, are you a partner so, in it, or...? No, no, so at okay. that stage, I was working, it was a company called Jackson Family Wines. Um, it's a big family-run fine wine business based out of California, but they have properties around the world. And so I was fortunate enough to be in Australia, and um, it just worked out that I started working with them. Um, and then as time went on, I uh, yeah, definitely um, enjoyed the opportunity to go to lots of different places, selling wines from their portfolio, working with lots of different importers. Um, so then, yeah, they got offered to come to Japan. Um, or Seoul, but I took the Japan, obviously, uh, <laughs> option, um, which I really enjoyed. Wait, 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 you didn't know, did you know much about either, Seoul yeah, or so Tokyo? I was just so thinking that, so I started coming here <laughs> in 2012, so I probably was coming probably three or four years before, so I had a pretty good idea. I mean, yeah, obviously I didn't Seoul? live there, oh yeah, many times, okay. yeah, so I think my career I've been to Seoul, I had to do this for a visa application the other day, but like, 57 times okay. to, to Korea, so I, I know it a little bit. Um, it's a nice place, but I, I'm, I'm very happy I live in Tokyo. Um, it's, it's an right. amazing That's city and, and all that sort of stuff. So it was great for me as, a, as an opportunity, and as time goes on, um, you know, uh, different opportunities came up, and I you know, tried some different things out, but then, yeah, so I've been back in Japan, so I left for about nine months and then came back in uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. So it was good. So my wife and I, she, she really likes to be here. Her family's here. 
Your wife's um, Japanese. And my wife is Japanese. And you have how many children? So we have a daughter, and she's uh, 18 months. 18 months. Congratulations, 18 months. Thank man. Thank you you just had your COVID baby. Look yeah. at you. COVID, COVID baby. baby. <laughs> they had a joke about that, too, saying something when they become a teenager, something there. I forget what it is, but it has something to do with COVID. Well, hopefully she 19, doesn't even COVID remember 19, this time. 19, COVID-19, or something. Yeah. So hopefully she doesn't remember yeah, this I hope, time. I hope she doesn't grow up with a mask on. No, well, she, you know, she's so young, she just rips the mask off now. So we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> I don't. She's walking, like she's been oh, walking. Yeah, she's walking yeah, how many months? Nine months uh, or ten months uh, she so started walking? She started walking about, <laughs> when she was about a year old. A year old, okay. Yeah, she, she crawled for a long time, and anyway, but yeah, so it's been, it's been great for us. That's fantastic. Um, I haven't been traveling, so it's been, you know, been there right. every day, which has been great. That's uh, wonderful. Yeah, That's wonderful. Been fantastic. Where'd you meet your wife? Did you meet her here? I, I met her in, in Tokyo. Works. Yeah, so it was interesting. We lived in Ebisu. I lived on one side. Like You live of, in Ebisu now? Uh, Nakamegro. Because I live, yeah, I live right behind the Western Hotel. Okay, Chochimata. so she lived... She lived right behind that Western Hotel. Um, in Chojimaru? So she lived, um, Yeah, so she lived <laughs> just so the... Uh, the train comes right through there, yeah. Yeah, so, so the Western's at the top of right. the hill. She right. just lived a little bit down. There's an intersection right at the corner of like the Ebisu Garden Place. Like where Yebisu... Wait, where, the, where the elementary school is? Yep, so if okay, you just so keep going straight... straight there's a one-way street? Yeah, and she lives on that street. She's not in that great big old house that they're trying to sell for the longest. I don't think so. No, she just had a little small apartment okay, there. Okay, right. so no, no, no That's what she was living, okay. Yeah, so she lived there, and I lived kind of close to Daikayama Station, so we okay. kind of met in the middle. There's a wine bar in Tokyo. It's quite famous. called Kavo Wine Bar. Kavo Wine Bar, okay. So that was our first date. And from there, it all went... You said, why waste any time? Look, yeah, I'm here on a mission. Yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> so, no, it's been great. And we were going to go and, and move to Canada for this job. Um, anyway, it didn't eventuate, so that's fine, and we moved back here, and we're very happy about it. Do you plan on being here for a while? Yeah, I mean, Tokyo will always have a part of our lives, no question about that. I don't, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but we'll always have some connection living here or mm -hmm. living here part of the year, or uh, we, we don't know for sure, but yeah, we'll always have, you know, definitely Japan will be a part of our lives. When did you decide lives. to join the American Club? Well, you remember before you met her? Uh, no. So yeah. my first, so I first did an event here in 2012. We did a, actually a, one of the previous job. We had a Verite wine event. We had a chef from the United States. And the wine director at the time was Kelly Schaefer. So Kelly, and that's where Kelly and I kind of met. And I still keep in touch with Kelly. Uh, he's a, you know, one of the more interesting wine people I know. And I, as I mentioned earlier, you meet a lot of interesting people in the wine business. Uh, but Kelly's a great wine guy, great, you know, great wine knowledge as well. Um, so we did it. I, yeah, I was just thinking about that like yesterday or before I was doing this podcast. Like, when did I first come to the club? It would have been 2012. And then I hosted a lot of events over the year here, and I guess my first time around, I didn't, I wasn't a member of the club, but I still, you know, I came here for some lunches and, you know, got invited by different members over the years. And then in 2019, when we kind of figured we were going to stay here, I thought it was a great opportunity, especially with um, having the baby. Because she's going to be, uh, we'll switch over to a family membership. Because uh, we, we really, when she was really, really young, you know, it was COVID, things were locked down. And it was just kind of a weird time. We probably would have done it earlier, but um, I think we will in January. Mm -hmm. So she'll start doing swimming lessons and all that sort of yeah. stuff. Because we think it's a great opportunity. Also, too, for me, during COVID, I mean, it turned out to be a blessing in disguise. 
I actually work in this room quite regularly. I um, see you. I know we're passing. That's how I got you to yeah, do this. There you go. So yeah. I, I've used this in, in some of the other things yeah. around the club, which has been nice because with a, a small, from home. small small baby at home, it's very hard mm -hmm. to work. Mm -hmm. um, I found that it's a you know it's a balance <laughs> between you know life and, and work and, and all that sort of thing. So it's turned out really well. And obviously, gym and some of the other social aspects, it's been great. Um, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed it. I, I think it's it's really it's a positive thing for me in Tokyo, um, and it keeps me probably in somewhat of a Western lifestyle, but within a Japanese right. uh, environment. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I think it's a, it it helps me out. So I don't know. I'll get here two to three times a week, depending on you know That's what's nice. happening. So. What do you what do you have planned for the future? Um, lots of cool things, I hope. Um, we, I, I've gotten involved with uh, this uh, eatdrinkgolf.com, yes, which yes. is a fun thing because I kind of it's, it's kind of my three passions. So, uh, so we're, we're kind of working through that. There's some hopefully some new developments in the new year with that. But I've been contributing a lot of articles, um, you know, on beverages and restaurants and things like that. Um, I'm about to write up a couple more. I'm just waiting to put some photos and upload it to uh, the website. So that's exciting. I've, I've kind of done that more um, as a passion thing because I like to write again. So it was a good opportunity for me to start writing. Um, uh, from a career standpoint, I think there's a lot of different things. Um, I kind of have a few different interests. But yeah, I really like what I'm doing now. I'm working with some, you know, some really big client, um, but then also um, I have a couple of little small things that I, you know, would, you know, just more of an interest side of it, which is really cool, um, which I've enjoyed. So mm -hmm. right now we're pretty happy with where we're at and what we're doing, um, and then we're going to see where it takes us. Well, that's so, wonderful. Yeah. Listen, you have any closing statements? Like, for example, how do we get your wine so that people can get some more of this? I mean, sure. <laughs> yeah, I know you have it. You have this in most of the shops, right? Yeah. So Francis Ford Coppola. So, mm -hmm. so one of my, uh, the, I work with Delicato Family Wines. So mm -hmm. they're based out of Napa Valley, and they're farming in Napa Valley. Mm -hmm. Um, Lodi, Monterey, and then they just recently purchased Francis Ford Coppola, uh, I believe it was August. Mm -hmm. um, so the wines are available, we work with multiple importers, mm -hmm. but the club here, Tokyo American Club, carries a f selection of Francis Ford Coppola wines. We have a few of the Delicato family wines, we have Noble Vines here at the club. Um, you know, major grocery stores, Amazon, Rakuten, it, yeah, I mean, I think too, we've really focused a lot more on retail side of the right, business right. just due to COVID recently. But now as restaurants are start opening up, we'll, we'll put some more efforts back into doing more on-premise business. Mm -hmm. So the so only way that the person can get a free bottle is to have you on their podcast, <laughs> to have you on their podcast or to have I, you. <laughs> I, 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 if people that know me, they know right, I'm, I'm, quite, I'm quite willing to share wine <laughs> with people. So. Um, I, especially if uh, here at the club, I, 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 if a meal comes along with it, maybe that'd be really nice. It, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, I really, I think that's the great part about wine. It's really about sharing, it uh, is, and it's it about you know not only just uh, experiencing but creating experiences for people as well. Um, I, I'm involved with a few wine groups, um, and it's it's interesting. I have one wine group that I'm really excited about because it's a lot of people that are just getting involved with wine, so you can kind of see the development of it and the excitement. Which I, which I think is great and as, a, as someone in the industry we should be really promoting more people to get on a journey um, and kind of start you got to start somewhere yes. and then you got to work your way up so um, no I really enjoyed the conversation it was a bit all over the place but no, it was but a it was lot good, of fun. But
that's yeah. what makes people involved. You gotta bring them in. Yeah, so it's, but it's Tom, good I fun. So same here. I wanna thank you for this time. Thank you. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Yeah, definitely. I wanna thank all of you for watching. Make sure you press like, subscribe, and never forget, it's all on loan. Continue to reach for the stars, and you're too blessed to be stressed.